You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hello, music lovers, and welcome to Modern Musicology. My name is Alan. I am here with my co-host, Rob. Hello. And unfortunately, this week, our other co-host, Anthony, is not with us. He is off in the UK in the land of his birth. Fortunately, we have a phenomenal sit-in that's going to be joining us today, Stephanie Seymour. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm so glad to be back with you guys. I'm sorry that Anthony's not here, but we'll we'll have fun. Oh yeah. How we don't need you? that guy to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Kidding. Love Anthony. All right. Love. So are you ready to cast your minds back 40 years? Yes. Rob, we- Rob's wearing his ABC shirt. Let's just put the point that <laughs> That's out. true. That's true. I didn't I think, think to I wear anything. 82 ish. And I may be the only person who has one. Yeah, That's true. maybe. <laughs> All right. So before we get in our time machines and dial the knob back to 1982, let's talk about what we've been listening to this past week, listening to or reading or watching. Rob, what, did, what have you been listening to this week? So I saw the Elvis movie this week. Oh, uh, yeah. At a screening. And um, I was kind of curious because, um, you know, I. I, I remember when Elvis died, kind of what a, a weird sort of day it was, because I wasn't really sure of what all this was. But um, so I was curious, and uh, this does piggyback into something else. There's a great book on Elvis, if you want to read about Elvis, called Last Train to Memphis. I, I have it, on, and I read it. Yep. Best book on Elvis ever written. It's great. So, um, huh. But it's Baz Luhrmann, so I was not expecting much. Um, he still does that annoying thing where he plays um, – sort of not like there's hip hop songs in, in the movie and, and things, but it's not, it's a really understated, but um, more or less it's the closest thing to an Elvis biopic we're going to get. Um, Tom Hanks playing a heavy is really weird, but really good. Hmm. And the kid playing Elvis is amazing. The guy who plays BB King is great. Guy who plays little Richard is great. How about the one the person who, the girl who plays Priscilla? She's really, she's really, really, really good. Cool. And I don't know who she is, but she's really good. Yeah, just everything he went through with Colonel Parker um, is really fascinating. So that was really, 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 really good. Um, I do want to say that. And then um, kind of to piggyback off of that, Steph, you're going to laugh at me. But <laughs> to, um, I, I was thinking about uh, Elvis a little bit, and it like started making me think of Elvis covers. And then I remembered how great that Fine Young Cannibals cover of Suspicious Minds is. Yes. So I have been listening to the very first Fine Young Cannibals album. Oh, first For like the first time in like 15 or 20 years. I haven't heard that in a long time. And it is amazing. It is amazing. Right. Wow. Now Um, you've inspired me to go and revisit that too. And then uh, partially piggybacking off of last week, uh, I've been listening to The Runaways. Nah. Oh, heck yeah, man. Um, just because, you know, 
Why not? Yeah. Been listening to some jazz. So outside of that, that's that's pretty much it. Sweet. Stephanie, what's been in your eyes and your ears recently? Well, it ha- because of our show here for 1982, I haven't been, and, I, and I'm not like, I don't absorb as much new music, I think, as you guys. But so I've been stuck in the past. And I think so. I I, one thing that so it's not on my main list of like top ten, but what really keeps sticking with me is REM's Chronic Town. Wow! Because I like that. First of all, that that was also I saw them in nineteen. I saw them open for the for Joan Jett. Speaking of the Runaways, Joan Jett and the Police at Shea. Um, And I think that was like the. For Chron- I don't think the first album was out yet. It was like just Chronic Town EP. So I just <clears throat> have such, it's just hearing that brings back such memories, um, especially of that show, because actually they got rained out at Shea, even, mm-hmm. but uh, they continue to play. Like we, we watched them and we were dancing in the rain and everything. So it just brought back so many amazing, you know, memories and just the, it was kind of the, the start of that whole scene. Like, I mean, they obviously had that scene going on, you know, down in in Atlanta. You know, they were, right? Isn't that where they, Atlanta? That's where yeah. they're from, right? Yeah. Athens, yeah. Oh, Athens, sorry. I knew it wasn't quite same right thing. about that. But same thing, not <laughs> if you're same. from there, right? <laughs> but um, yeah, that whole scene was obviously going and hopping, but it it sort of was breaking to the mass at that masses at that time. So I just think that was a really defining kind of album or what well, was an EP, so. Mm-hmm. But that's, so that's pretty much, I mean, that's one of the main things that I, that's really sticking in my head, that, yeah. that EP. You know, I, and I haven't been really listening to anything new this week, I don't think. I can't think of anything that, I mean, I've been kind of stuck in the past. Too, and I always sort of, I always want to, like, discover new things, but I'm just a stuck in the past kind of guy. So, actually, this week, I've been surprisingly listening to a lot of B-52s. And I'm not entirely sure why, other than I just love B-52s, but that's been on uh, sort of replay on my iPod. So, and that kind of, you know, they they did have an album that came out in 1982, so that kind of ties in with our theme. They did? Yeah. Mesopotamia. How did I miss that? Oh, okay. Hmm. (laughs) Because they toured with Talking Heads. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, so I want to get to some listener feedback that we got. Um, I actually was going to put this in last week's show, but since it was uh, three different comments that were in response to the girl groups episode that we did, I thought I would save it for this week when we had Stephanie with us so we could talk about. Um, So let's see, there's a guy named Sean Steed who said um, the question that I uh, put in the post was, who are some of your favorite all-girl bands and sean steed says one that i discovered or sorry once i discovered them a few years ago it's band made band Band made they're from japan if you're not familiar with them one of the best rock groups out there today so i listen to them and they're kind of like kind of metal um some of that like really uh crisp precise you know, guitar playing and, and drumming and stuff. And they're really cool. I oh, cool. was kind of surprised. Um, and they, they do the whole, like they're called band made and they, they dress in made outfits. Oh, made. I get it. Which okay. Is, I wrote it down. Okay. Right. Exactly. M A I D. So, um, <laughs> thanks. Thanks Sean for that suggestion. I did take a cool. listen to them and they're very cool. 
Um, let's see. A guy named Chip Allen suggests Nervosa, Burning Witches, Crypta, and Girl School. I, I recognize one of those names. I do too. Girl, <laughs> Girl School, yeah. Girl School's pretty good. <laughs> we got that. <laughs> one of four. So thank you guys for uh, responding to our posts and uh, for sharing your thoughts about our episodes. Um, anybody listening, if you haven't heard of any of these groups, go investigate them. What I heard of Bandmade was really a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to listening to some of these other ones as well. Uh, if you have some feedback for us from any of our episodes, you can reach us at modernmusicology one at gmail.com or just post it on any of the places that you see our traffic, like on our Twitter page or our Facebook page or wherever you find one of our posts. We are going to take a very quick break and we are going to jump into 1982. So we'll see you in 30 seconds. Hey, Martha. What? Do you like nerd stuff? I do. And do you like adult beverages? I super do. <laughs> well, then you should join us with a drink. With a drink. With a drink. Um, but first, let's talk nerdy. Clink. <laughs> On the ESO Network. We'll see you on Tuesday. Maybe next Tuesday. Maybe. All right, welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us. We are talking about the albums that came out in 1982. This is the 40th anniversary of a lot of great stuff. Um, so let's just set the tone here a little bit. Some of the top films that came out in 1982, E.T., Tootsie, An Officer and a Gentleman, Rocky Three, Porky's, Bizarrely, <laughs> uh, Star Trek, The Wrath of Khan, 48 Hours. Some of the top TV shows, Dallas, MASH, Magnum P.I., Dynasty, Three's Company, oddly, um, Love Boat. So I'm curious to know, think back to 1982, where were both of you in 1982? Where were you? What were you doing? Who were you at that time? So sort of set the stage for us for our discussion. Rob, go ahead. Oh, gee, thanks. Um, hey, I'm, I'm the youngest guy on the podcast today. Hey. Um, <laughs> well, actually, Steph, Steph's my, I think, the same age as me. But anyway. Um, I think I might be older. But anyway, I don't know. So <laughs> 1982, I was 14 years old. And um, I am older. <laughs> it was it was weird because I was at that that age where I realized I was listening and discovering music, but it didn't really the the I'm insane about music thing just started to kickstart in that summer was, you know, I like most kids in the Midwest during the summer when it's nice, everyone goes to the pool. So I have very distinct memories of hearing certain records from 1982 at the pool, right? Like just hanging out at the pool, mm -hmm. chilling. And then the majority of the music that I heard in 1982 that I learned to love outside of like when I could get to watch MTV because I didn't have uh, cable at the time, um, when I had access to things like MTV were commercial radio, which was starting to play some of the British wave stuff that was coming in. But also, believe it or not, um, at the roller rink. Um, ah, <laughs> yeah. Kids, ask your parents. Totally um, makes sense. I used to go to this place called the Aloha Roller Rink. And um, 
you know, they would just, the DJ just played a bunch of records. Like that's the first place I remember hearing Pat Benatar's Shadows of the Night. Oh my God, that's on my list. Hello. Yeah, which I love, right? Yeah. Um, and like, I remember like they'd always play ACDC. So that's that's the summer I discovered ACDC. But yeah, I, I distinctly remember going to the roller rink all the time because it was just something to do and it was inside. Yeah. And then um, the towards the end of that year, near like late, late fall, almost in the year, there was a, I was lucky that I lived about four, four blocks away from a, from a, um, a juice bar. So it's this all ages, like dance club place. And they played videos and they had bands and stuff, but it, that literally, and that was more 83 than 82, but it's the end of 82 that literally opened the floodgates a little bit. Um, I I don't think it was still 83 until I went to California and heard college radio on the West coast that it really kickstarted. But I remember just being aware of pop music in 82. It was also hard to get away from thriller everywhere. I was just, Um, that's one of my ubiquitous uh, picks. Yes. That um, in 1999. I I just remember (laughs) that's the year that like Prince and thriller were everywhere. And it sort of made me think about um, transitioning from the black soul music that I heard in the house with my brother to like this new stuff. Um, that's the first year I heard a lot of Stevie wonder as well. So that's kind of where I was. I wasn't quite weird into new wave or anything yet, but I was kind of getting there. Well, Stephanie, tell us about who you were in 1982. So I am uh, like a year older than you, I guess I'm, I was like 15 and 16 in 82. I turned 16 in August of that year. So I already was into the, I was way into new wave and way into like punk and new wave basically. Cause, and I had already gotten my drum set uh, and had started playing uh, because the first concert I ever saw was January 22nd, 1982 at the garden police and go-go's. So that was the thing that changed my life. Oh, and wow. So 1982 is really like it, a, a big year for you. Yeah. That's a turning point. Yeah, so no, it will be no shock about what my number one album is, <laughs> or it would be, it wouldn't be a shock anyway for you guys. But um, so, uh, I, so I was, uh, you know, in a band. Um, by the way, we were called New Religion after the Duran Duran song from Rio. So that was another one of my picks. But um, <laughs> it's a, it was such a high school thing. Like uh, it was my best friend Kendra on bass. I was playing drums and we had a 23 year old, awesome heavy metal guitar player. It was kind of like something out of a movie, like a, like <laughs> Valley girl or something that like, you know, just like the cliche thing, but he was a totally awesome guitar player, but he was a really metal. Like he was metal and we were like the high school punk girls. <laughs> it was just, I don't know how it worked, but we, it worked. And we did cover songs. We did some original songs and we played a few gigs. We played like our community center. We played at Iona college we did some things so also though that was the year that my final year at my sleepaway camp and I was a waitress that year I wasn't really a camper anymore but I was a waitress and um that the the Go-Go's record came out that summer um and Kendra my my best friend and my bass player actually sent me at camp a tape, a cassette tape that she sent in the mail and she like DJed the whole record for me. So she would intro <laughs> it and she faded it up and faded the songs out. And then she, you know, told me all about each song and wrote me this like 
long, long letter about the whole album just because I was at camp and I could not get the record. You know, I had to wait wow. till I get home, got home. That's awesome. <laughs> so that's kind of where I was. <laughs> that's amazing. And yeah. it's funny. Okay. So, you know, we talk about, um, 1999 and Thriller being ubiquitous that year. But the funny thing is they did not come out until the end of the year. Huh. We think about them being such oh. huge 82 albums, but they were like November and October, I think it was. So it's it's amazing that they really exploded the way that they did and they shaped the way you think about that whole year. I'm wondering Especially if there thriller, was a single though. Like did, what, did a, he did yeah. they release the single first? You know, probably, but I don't know yeah. what 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 it was but right and i think i think thriller may have like jumped up quicker than 1999 did i think yeah. maybe 1999 took a little longer to cook i have you know, a very once it came out um i have a little anecdotal story about thriller you know Ooh. my my i went to high school um with a girl who was a year younger than me her her name was maria giraldi it's giraldi i believe it's giraldi her dad was bob giraldi who did directed like beat it and uh the oh, wow what, what's the pat benatar one when she's like fighting that like you know she's in the gang dun dun you know that one <laughs> So, and he put his daughter, his daughter and her friend in, in that Pat Benatar one for like two seconds. They're like the kids oh, that cool. open the door. Yeah. <laughs> and come out of the house. Oh, with that's awesome. <laughs> so 1999 came and funny enough that 1999 came out in 1982, but it didn't right. come out until October 27th. So it was practically a, a, a Halloween album and Thriller came out in November. Isn't that crazy? It is. Yeah, but then again, they they like were in the charts for you know two yeah. or three years. So, so where were you both when you first encountered Thriller? MTV, just you know, saw it on right. Definitely, definitely, one hundred percent. It was MTV, right? I and mean, it was uh, the one with the um with the monsters and one. It was mm -hmm. beat it. Was, thriller. Was it? thriller, thriller, just duh. Oh my god, what is wrong? See, that's how old I am. <laughs> Yeah. Thriller. So did you see that one before you saw Beat It? I mean, um, um, Billie Jean? Oh, you're right. It must have been Billie Jean then. Yeah. It must have been Billie Jean first. Yeah. And that was the single for sure first. Yeah. Holy cow. What an incredible song that is. Mm. And what an impact it had on MTV. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, Rob, where were you? I, I distinctly remember hearing... Billie Jean on the radio a lot. And then I would go to my friend's house. We'd play Wolf of Ball and then watch MTV. Um, Cause I didn't have MTV and I remember. Or Wiffle Ball. <laughs> um, hey, um, <laughs> but I, I remember, you know, seeing Billie Jean and beat it a lot because they literally were on MTV like every four minutes. Yeah. But then I remembered when Thriller came out, what an event they made. Like, here's the video for Thriller. It was like you couldn't, you could never turn on the channel and see it because it was like, it, it's like they programmed it like one out of every hundred songs. So you had to keep watching MTV to get to it. So, like, I missed, I think I didn't see the video for Thriller till like a week, at, week, a week and a half until after it came out. Really? Um, yeah. I remember hearing the songs um on the radio and i remember 
going to the roller rink, hearing it, and also um, the arcade because mm-hmm. uh, there was an arcade I, that we all went to, and they played they played the Holy Daylights out of those singles. Um, and I remember w- when you'd go out, and boy, I'm really dating this. Uh, when you you go eat somewhere, and there'd be a jukebox, you know. And I I remember going out with my dad and my dad complaining about someone playing one of the, I think it was beat it on the juke, or no, it was, it was Billy Jean on the jukebox. And it's just talking about how everywhere he goes, he hears that song, what's going on. Right. Um, So that's kind of my, my first Vegas memories of that. And I, I like, I remember the, the Grammys and the American music awards when he won like everything. And that was kind of like, what is this? What is, what is this music thing? You know? So that's kind of my launching pad in many ways. What were some of the other big things that you remember from 1982? Some of the ones that had the biggest impact on you. I, you know, I remember, uh, in 1982, um, on a lark, I went with some friends to go see Blade Runner. And I remember hearing the score from Blade Runner and then later that year, when my dad dragged me to Chariots of Fire, hearing the score from that, that's the year I co- sort of also discovered film scores and just sort of really realized that film and music had this sync thing going on. Um, and I, I remember that. Um, Music-wise, you know, I remember a, a singles from a lot of records that came out before, but they were getting to be singles 82. Like, I remember The Human League and Don't You Want Me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember Shy Boy by Bananarama. Um, yeah, I remember Tainted Love because you heard Tainted Love everywhere. And, uh, that was the year, the first Madonna single that I remember, uh, although we had no idea that that was a big thing. And, you know, behind Michael Jackson in videos that year, that's the, that's the year of Duran Duran for me, uh, and, and Culture Club, like Duran, Culture Club, ABC. Um, that's kind of the year for me of all those bands and men, men without hats. Um, and then also, you know, I wouldn't realize it till later, but that was the year for me of talking heads, the B-52s, Sparks and Laurie Anderson. But that was later. Uh, I discovered them. those records came out that year, but I discovered them, you know, a little later. Uh, and also the Clash, Combat Rock, because I remember. Oh, man. That's Yeah, that was, that I was remember an Rock enormous record. Yeah. yeah. And I had no idea who they were or where their place in the world was. Right. Um but I just remember hearing those records. But I, yeah, I remember that. Um, like, I remember being really excited when the station here played Tainted Love and then Don't You Want Me, like back to back, how cool I thought that was. Right. <laughs> um, so I thought that was awesome as well. So, and, you know, I remember the Michael Jackson singles. I remember, oh man, I remember Twisted Sister and that, that's the year of, Tw- of Twisted Sister and Survivor. Because Eye of the Tiger was everywhere. Yeah. So it was the, and, the Twisted Sister single. And I also remember one of my guilty pleasure records is that Asia Asia record, right? Hell yeah, man. Oh my um, God. I was all drums, about Asia. The drums in Heat of the Moment are still mm. really amazing. Like you have this pretty like or straight ahead beginning of a song. And then when the drums kick in, you're like, okay, that's it, right? Asia was sort of my back door into yes. But anyway, um, mm-hmm. so I remember hearing that as well. And that's also the summer of Toto. Oh yeah, going Rosanna? to the basketball court. Is that Rosanna, Rosanna, and Rosanna, I, Africa. I oh remember, yeah, I remember going to the basketball court at the um, rec center by my house, and they'd be playing Africa, and 
Rosanna or Joanna. And then you also, I think that's the year you heard a little bit of cool in the gang and I heard sexual healing and had a very awkward conversation with my dad about it. Um, <laughs> the, the embarrassing records of that year are the twisted sister and the um, survivor eye of the tiger. Cause they were everywhere. Yeah. And, it was just, and that's kind of when I realized I need to be careful. I started to associate music that year. This sounds so petty with people I didn't like. Hmm. Right. Cause the people that always were like trying to beat the living daylights out of me loved like that, that like eye of the tiger. They loved that. Like sort of like, it's not even metal, but like twisted sister, that sort of stuff. The, the little warning sign that told me high school was going to be difficult. Aww. That was that was the that was it. Huh. That's interesting, and that's kind of sad. But that's you know that's just what what happened, right? That's just what yeah. your experience yeah. was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Steph, what were some of your big ones? Well, I have. I'm going to just refer to my list, and, and I'm going to go from the top, just because the number one was "Vacation" by the Go Go's. I mean, that just. Yeah. That was everywhere too. And, you know, yeah. it was, like I said, it was, came out in the summer, but it was still everywhere. And just, you know, again, they're, they're the reason I, I started playing music. So I can't, um, not only is, are the hits on that album good, but I mean, there's that whole album is great. It's sort of like, mm-hmm. I feel like it's an underrated one. Cause it was like their second, you know, their follow-up to their huge, huge record, but um, there's a million good songs on there. Girl of a hundred lists and this whole feeling mm-hmm. and he's so strange, you know? So anyway, that yeah. is number one. I, th- I think there was a lot writing on that album because there was. It, had, it had to prove that that first record was not a fluke. Sure. Yeah. And there's, they did it, I think, because oh, I agree. I agree. It's a solid record. Beatnik beach. I mean, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, at almost, uh, tied with, was, was Rio because that, that was really another, kind of MTV experience where everything was visual. Everything was, you know, that it was mm. really cinematic and the songs on, again, the songs on that one were so great. Um, apart from the mega hits, you know, there was save a prayer. Um, mm. and like I said, new religion, my first band name. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and the third one that I'm going to say is X under the big black sun. Now I know everybody kind of, loves like either wild gift or Los Angeles. But to me, that is, that's like the quintessential album for X because I feel like they, not only did they like come into their songwriting really then for me at least, but their voices too, like blending together and the way they both worked off each other, John and Xine, the way they sung together. And that is just, I mean, that, that, that album is really, you know, in influenced by the death of her, of her sister, Mary Mm -hmm. and the, it's it's one of the like most heartbreaking albums. Some of the songs like Riding with Mary and Please Come Back to Me c- could be the most sad song almost ever. Wow. Um, you know, she's just talking about like hearing her sister, you know, the night the night that Mary died, she would they were playing a gig and they can they played, they went on and played that gig um in Los Angeles. So mm. um so anyway, it, that, that, that album is just to me, one of the best albums of all time. And so, uh, I'll just kind of four split ends time and tide another MTV visual, weird, great pop, you know, <laughs> absolutely love them. Um, I could not live without diver down from Van Halen to this day. Sometimes oh, wow. that's one of the few records that I have to just 
there, if there's some, sometimes like even now, like I have to hear it. Like if I don't hear it, I'm going to hit a window or something like that. I don't <laughs> so like I, not only are there amazing, you know, smash songs from that and they did two really great covers on that album. I mean, dancing in the street and um, pretty woman, of course yeah. is huge, but hang them high is like the best song ever. <laughs> so that's just like, I have to hear that album sometimes. And it just, it just makes me so happy. So, um, and then Shabu Shabah by NXS. Yes. That's on my list too. Yeah. That that's was like so a big good. breakthrough, right? Like that was it. Yeah. I remember my best friend at the time, Carrie Christopher loved them. And he's the one that introduced me to that. And, um, I, every time I hear it, I think about him. Yeah. I haven't seen neat. him in decades, but I, he's just right there in my head. Every time I hear any song from that album brings you back. Yeah, it does. Yeah, absolutely. And then I had combat rock too, like you did. Oh man. Um, combat and then so the good. jam, the jam, the gift special beat service by, you know, by the beat and then Pat Benatar get nervous. But I just have to say something about all of those records that I just mentioned. <laughs> Special special beat service is one that has, has really been going through my head the most out of all of those this week because and I know I keep saying about this about every one of these albums, but it's true. Like every song on there is sick, crazy, yeah. awesome. Like Aki One Two Three or, or Pado and Rajo Ago Roger Ago talk. Like those that actually really got me into the whole ska scene. Really, it did mm. the two tone yeah. movement and and you had you had a great record for Madness that year and you had yes. Fun Boy Three. So, yep. Yep. That's to a lesser scene. extent, to a lesser extent, not really technically part of that. You also had Culture Club, who took a lot of music from the same and Bow Wow Wow. Places. Yeah, and Bow Wow Wow, mm. and even to a certain extent, Adam Ant. Um, yeah. All well, that because they were in each other's bands, so yeah. That's what it took. They all pulled from the same sort of places. Yeah, Last of the Mohegans came out that year too, and that's on my like runner-up list, but for Bow Wow Wow, and also mm. Friend or Foe. What is it? Friend or foe. Friend or foe. Yeah, it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mentioned a few of the people that had debuts that year. So I'm going to like throw a few names out and I'm just going to get your reactions to them. The waitresses. Hell yes. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I think Steve is Steve Butler, right? Who, who plays, who's the guitar player. He's like friends with all the Hoboken people, all of our friends. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, if I send you a record, you can get it signed. Yeah. Yeah, I can. Cause I have her signed it, but I don't have it. Yet. Okay. Oh, cool. Um, flock of seagulls. I thought they yeah. were not cool then, but they, but I, but uh, now I, you know, they're, they're memorable, I guess, you know? So I, I didn't, I didn't care for it at all at the time. I've come to appreciate some of their stuff since then, but I, you know, I got, I got hooked into that right away. The second better album is much better than the first. Um, I liked space age love song much more than I ran. That's I'm in that oh, me too. Yeah. Me yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but just for the fact of, and I heard them before I saw them, unlike a lot of other folks. And mm. I just sort of loved how it sounded not, at a time when every record may, sort of was influenced by either, you know, war porn or flag waving or, you know, the bombs coming. It was like a refreshing change to hear that. Hmm. Um, we talked about R.E.M. Yes. Also the DVs, great fucking band from 82. Sorry. <laughs> One that I, I kind of, I knew of at the time, but surprised me with the success that it had is ABC, which has 
representation on Rob's shirt. Their first album debuted at number one in the UK and stayed at number one for four weeks. Oh, I had no idea. I didn't either. I I knew it was a big record, but I had no idea it had that kind of immediate impact. And the one thing about it is Trevor Horn and the way he makes records and produces records. So as great as Lexicon of Love is with Martin Fry's voice and how slick it is, yeah, um, because it sort of takes that, it's a nod to sort of like so much like Northern Soul, White Soul, um, really good Black Soul records before it. It's really slick and it's really polished and it's really modern. The video for Look of Love is absolutely terrible. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> so, it's so 1980s. <laughs> right. It may be the most 1980s looking video. Yeah. I kind of agree with that. Yeah. But, but Trevor Horn like really made that whole record. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, when I listen to it now, um, my and it's a body of work album too. It's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's like the, it's like almost all the way through a concept kind of record. Yeah. It's a great record still. Th- that like kind of reminds me because, because also coming out that year was Roxy music's Avalon. And yes. I know lexicon of love. I know they're not, you can't really compare them, but there's some um, mm-hmm. feeling in a way that is, is similar. A- 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 ABC were very much paying attention to David Bowie and Roxy music when they made that record. Yeah. Yeah. So that just, that I just yeah. thought of that. I don't know. And then of course, span of LA, although I don't think they had a record out on that year. I don't think so. Rob's getting the heebie jeebies when I say Spandau Ballet. <laughs> oh, come on, man. <laughs> okay. So a, a couple of more debuts. Um, missing persons. It's on my list of runners up. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah. I, I mean, love that was a, that was a killer first album. Totally. I mean, it spawned quite a few big hits. Words, Destination Unknown, Walking in L.A. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. just a, a such a surprising sound. And it didn't really sound like anything else that was happening. And su- a surprising amount of success for something that weird. Yeah. her yeah. Well, She was definitely like a, looking like at a, a, a piece of like cotton candy. And yeah. then, <laughs> and, and then, uh, and, and she had a really cool, interesting voice. And, and, but of course, Terry Bozio on drums and Warren Corcorillo, oh um, like you can't, how could you, that, that was so, they are so amazing. Absolutely. It, to watch him play drums is just like one of the great things you can ever do, which is to watch him, mm-hmm. you know? I agree. Have you ever seen him with Zappa? I didn't know. And he has this, this enormous, like 3000 piece drum set. Holy smokes. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. Um, okay. One of my absolute favorite bands from the 80s made their debut that year the fix okay (laughs) i see you crossing your fingers i was gonna i was was... hoping you were gonna say yes i don't know (laughs) upstairs that eric's came out then that's a that is a good album that's a great record yeah great record but uh, the fix my husband actually loves them and they used to tour with they toured with the fix multiple times oh cool my husband band went winter hours so yeah the Fix has a new album out, and they are going to be playing here in Atlanta at the Tabernacle very soon. And I am so excited! I've never seen them live. Oh, you so have? Yeah, very, yeah, never have. Not I back in the either. day. Yeah. Not retro. Not cur- so. I'm very much looking forward to that. Yeah, they're playing here in ten days. Oh, um, cool! I'm pretty excited. So, okay, so uh, another big one that was another ubiquitous album, Culture Club. <laughs> I saw them I, live too. <laughs> I 
hated them. <laughs> oh my God. Every time I heard, do you really want to hurt me? I would say, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> Can you now though, look back and say, uh, he had an unbelievable voice and they oh, were yeah. all really, oh, 100%. Yeah, because he looked like, listen to that voice. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I I know. Look, do you really want to hurt me? That's, that's, I don't love that song either, but I think that, that really? they, that record, um, uh, overall the record was really good and then they yeah. got better as they keep kept going. And I oh, just thought agreed. the whole shtick was, was amazing. So, yeah. And I'll tumble for you. Awful. Yeah. Yeah. Awful. Um, but, and you I know, did, I yeah. did appreciate them. Like each album that came out, I started to realize, you know what? I'm liking these songs more than I did the first time I ever heard them, you know? I'm yeah. I have to Google that. Um, what's that one with the killer backup singer, that uh, woman they had got? Oh, um, uh, Church of the Poison Mind. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, holy oh, smokes, with, man. With Terry, yeah. Man, that was good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm more a time clock of the heart guy. Than, okay. That's a good song. Um, but I, I, I got hooked right on Do You Really Want to Hurt Me? Um, mm. And uh, I quickly learned in 1982, after I went to... Uh, the limited and uh, bought a culture <laughs> club shirt that sometimes it was not cool to wear things. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, it also scared the shit out of my parents. Oh um, yeah. Um, but Who's you know, I, <laughs> I, no, they knew they were well aware, but it was like, uh, do we have to worry about this one now too? You know? Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, yeah, really. Um, <laughs> Oh, really? Yes. So, Aww. you know, I, and I remember, like, I remember my brother really loved that record. So that was also fun. But the, the thing is, and this is where I probably differ from both of you, is I, much in the same way that Alan didn't love Culture Club right away, I was like that with Duran Duran. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I was pretty ambivalent about Duran Duran at first. It, it took a little time for me to really, and I think it was uh, during the time that Rio was, happening it, it didn't it wasn't the first album it was rio that i think i really started to kind of get on the train a little bit mm -hmm. and the more singles that i heard the more i thought you know what i kind of like this and then i would get into the albums after that point it was probably easier for young teenage girls to get into i mean just as a matter of fact because they were just total teen idols you know for mm -hmm. and so so it was just like oh my god they're so cute but like then no, they're really great. <laughs> like, I love them. <laughs> they are such good, you know, musicians. And mm -hmm. when I say such good musicians, like, I, at least, at least to me, Roger Taylor was a great drummer and John Taylor was a really great bass player. And I Andy Taylor was, was a really great guitar player, actually. I was just going to say the same thing. <laughs> and, and when you're talking about drumming and bassing, man, they yeah. had it. John Taylor is just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Power Station, all that, you know, he had some... He's a very good, mm -hmm. you know, he's a really good player. Yeah. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So another one that came out that year that I was not aware of, she was on my radar, but I didn't really, really get on the train until 85. And that's Kate Bush released the dreaming, which is now one of my <laughs> favorite albums, but it, it just wasn't, it wasn't until MTV picked up the next album uh yeah. hounds of love that i really started to to so my my exposure to kate bush was in 1980 and i saw the her second album i saw lionheart on the shelf in a record store and i thought hey there's a lady wearing a lion costume that's kind of a cool cover 
That's yeah. it. That's all. You know, that's as much of you know attention I put on it. But then Pat Benatar's second album came out and it had the cover of Wuthering Heights on it. And I was yeah, like, yeah. holy shit, I love that song. And then I was like, wait a minute, this is not written by them. This is written by somebody called Kate Bush. Isn't that that lady that had the lion costume <laughs> on that record? And that was it. So I knew wow. like basically one song that Pat Benatar recorded. And it really wasn't until 1985 when Hounds of Love like just exploded on MTV that I was like, mm -hmm. holy shit, I love this person so much. And wow. then went back and got all of the previous albums. Yeah. And so the dreaming man, God, that's a great record. You guys have to, I'm not the, I love her. I think she's great. I just don't really know. I, I, I probably have to go back and get all of her records like you did. So uh, yes, you have to. I know it's something <laughs> wrong with me. So it's been great having you on. Uh, the I know. See ya. Oh, no. <laughs> See you later. I think it's oh. great that she's having such a cool re resurgence with um because of oh, Stranger yeah. Things. And and you know I think the Go Go's are going to be on the new Stranger Things the season four. Um, I saw a thing on their Instagram where they were like filming it. And there's another someone. Oh, oh well, our, who we were talking about Combat Rock with Should I Stay or Should I Go in the first season with 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 how. Mm pivotal uh role that song played in the whole a uh, whole um season one uh-huh well that's if the go-go's are going to be in season four that's exciting yeah i saw them all dressed up and like they're i guess they're playing somewhere in the upside down because i oh, don't know wow. I don't, yeah i don't know because they're all like they were all dirty and whatever <laughs> it was really oh. <laughs> and, and totally decked out in like 80s wear so <laughs> That on their Instagram is cool. page. I guess it, it would be mm -hmm. on there. Yeah. Okay. So any other standouts that you've got? Any um I, I have a couple. I, I have um they, they weren't on my uh favorite favorites, but just to say them and then we can talk about them maybe. Simple Minds New Gold Dream. Hell Mirage, yeah. Oh, man. I love that. Yeah. Mirage by Fleetwood Mac. Heck and yeah. um two others, um, Tom Petty Long After Dark, because that yep. was really everywhere too. And um, Hall and Oates H two O. Oh my God, Hall and Oates and that generated some radio. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Holy smokes! Yep. You know another one that I wasn't thinking, that I didn't mention earlier, that I didn't think about was the Motels. Oh, it wasn't yeah. a debut, but it was like second or third album or something. But it had um, only the lonely and take the L out of lover. Was oh, that eighty two? Yeah. Yeah, oh, I know. And, oh. And um, another one, a uh, first album, it was like an, an EP. So I think it was an independent release, but Scandal. So that oh, was yeah. the year that uh, Goodbye to You, you know, first hit the shelves. I loved that song. I didn't have yeah. MTV at the time. I used to listen to, um, or sorry, I used to watch, um, there was a, a show called Friday Night Videos. Yep. And Night Flights was another one. And I, so without having MTV, those are the ones that I watched. And I loved that song. I yeah. thought Scandal was the coolest looking band. And I thought Goodbye to You was the coolest song. And I didn't like as much of their stuff after that. You know, it was a little more like generic rock, but there was just something so cool and so like, edgy about goodbye to you i loved it it's a it's a great song it's super catchy it's a she's got a great vocal on that obviously yeah. she's super beautiful and cool as hell um and her voice is just great um i didn't 
at the time I didn't think they were so cool, but I liked the song. I really like the song, but now I appreciate like Patty a lot more. I think she's yeah. super cool. Uh-huh. Absolutely. The, you know, there's a couple albums um, that I, speaking of didn't appreciate then, but now do um, that also came out then were uh, Daybreak again. Is it called Daybreak again by Crosby, Seals and Nash? It, mm-hmm. it had like, it had Southern Cross and um, it had. Um, was that 82? Wasted on the way. I believe, wasn't it? I think it was. Oh. Um, Let's see. Yeah, I, Daylight Again came out June twenty first. Is that? Oh yeah, yeah. And there's oh, a song on there called Delta. Called yeah, that is. If it wasn't for the eighties production, that's one of like the best <laughs> songs they've ever. Really, like Delta. I I actually kind of want to cover that somehow and mm. and make it sound more modern. I know, like I like I can do Crosby, Stills, and Nash, but I mean just my own version of it. Whatever. Right. And sure. the other album. Which, which is more just, I've appreciated them more as a band as I got older. And, and I hated that. I really thought they were just the most doofusy band ever. But picture this by Huey Lewis and the News came out that year. Yes, and it sure did. Yep. Their voices, when I, when I think about them now, and I, and I got a greatest hits just because I wanted to um, listen to their stuff again and see if, if I was wrong. And I was wrong about them because they're so good they're so just rock and roll with amazing voices i don't always love their songs i don't always love the production but like they were really great yeah there's there's somebody that i never really had in in much of an appreciation for no i I hated them then you know i just thought they were just like (laughs) okay i will say it then i did kind of hate them (laughs) but i think that and now i look back and i'm like man they had their craft refined they had that down they had that whole and they pulled it off live too, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were a good live band. I will just say that. Over and it's all like, like they just played for years and years, and they I, they kind of broke out a little later in their in their um, career, I would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing too that I, I did want to mention is everyone talks about '82 and how it was a British invasion, but it was a great year for bands from LA. Um, mm-hmm. It really, really was. So I, you know, in doing this, I, I revisited a couple records that I liked after '82. Um, Fear the Record, um, Flipper, Dead Kennedys, um, Plastic uh, plastic Surgery Record from the Dead Kennedys. Um, Anthony's not here, so I, I would be, I, I'd be remiss if I did not talk about Angst in My Pants by Sparks. <laughs> uh, which, I meant to bring that up just to make sure does, it got covered. <laughs> does not sound like a record from 1982. Also a really uh, popular record with Mr. Jarvis Cocker, who still hasn't come on the show yet. Um, <laughs> Two other records I quickly discovered later. You guys were a little older, so but when I when, when in eight, like two or three years later in high school, when my generation heard "I Melt with You" by Modern English, oh, we all yeah. went back and bought that After the Snow record, which is being re-released actually this year. But that was uh, that was an amazing album um, for its time. Also, The Cure, Pornography, um, still the second best Cure album. But that's the year we got Oingo Boingo and Only a Lad. That's the first. Yeah, album. yeah, uh, also great. Um, you had you had the my favorite psychedelic furs album forever now. Mm-hmm. Um, Gary Newman, I Assassin, which from a production standpoint, there wouldn't be Nine Inch Nails if there wasn't that record. There's a friggin' ton of re- that's also the year of Ebony and Ivory. Um, oh my god! Like I know, I know. Worst um, song ever. Yeah, yeah, but no, it's not. It's not actually the worst song ever. Is say say say. 
Yes, <laughs> which I think was the following year. I, I, I just remember. 83. I just remember seeing oh seeing that video God. and going, "Wait, that guy was in the Beatles." I, I, I just kind of remember that's the first time I was musically disappointed. Um, <laughs> Talking Heads. The name of the band is Talking Heads. Um, it was also a really good year. Oh for yeah, like, that was good for like art school rock, right? Because you had Talking Heads. You had yeah, Sonic Youth's yeah. debut album mm-hmm. and Big Science by Laurie Anderson. I just saw the Laurie Anderson oh uh, exhibition. Yeah, that's a great at, album. At the Smithsonian. That record is still great. And she did a book signing here a couple of years later and was joking about my button. And I had her sign Big Science. And um, I just remember always liking it consistently all the way through. Uh, is I do remember. Superman on that, Rob? Yeah, I remember sure seeing is. the yeah. video for Oh Superman. And I'm just going. Whatever this is, it's weird, and I love it. Um, so yeah, there is that. And um, just, a, just a quick interjection: if you've never seen, there's a video floating around YouTube of David Bowie's band doing a cover of "Oh Superman," but yeah. he doesn't sing. His bass player, Gail Ann Dorsey, sings. Oh yeah, yeah, I love her. And uh, they they do the song pretty much like straight, and then do this amazing jam like for the second half of, and it's almost like 10 minutes and it's amazing. Oh, cool. Okay. Oh, it's so good. Sorry, Rob, continue. <laughs> uh, also the jam, the gift that year. Yep. Um, yeah, I said that. Yep. That's the year I discovered the jam too. I think um, that's the year they broke up, right? Cause it wasn't yeah. the gift. The last one. The gift was the last one. Yeah. And uh, I, I remember talking to the, the jam, uh, talking about the jam, sorry. Uh, with somebody a couple of years later, I said, oh, the gift was the first album. I thought, well, you came a little late to the party. And I'm like, really? And I think that's also the year of the last Bauhaus record, too. The sky's gone out. I yeah, think. possibly. Yeah. It was it 83 um, or was it 82? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Huh. Yeah. One of those two. Yeah. And uh, Devo made a record that year, too. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember. Yeah. Um, I just remember that so many of the records of that year I came back to later when I was more musically literate. I know, I know we talked about, but that simple minds record, that thing is just a beast. Oh um, my gosh. I, I loved, I, loved I think the first thing I ever heard was promised you a miracle. And uh, that kind of set the, the stage for me to like really love uh, the later stuff that came along from them. Yeah. God, yeah. that's such a great song. Uh, oh, also the last one, which I can't believe that at least Steph and I haven't thought of is English Settlement by XTC. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is still probably arguably their best record. I, I got to get some Bowie in here. So was, um, we it's, it's kind of an off year for Bowie. You know, he's just done Scary Monsters and he's not yet done Let's Dance. But uh, they released, which is something completely different from anything else he ever did, the soundtrack to the miniseries Ball on uh, the BBC, which has got four songs, and they're just wacko. And they're all, I think, like Bertolt Brecht uh, songs that he covers, and they're just phenomenal. His vocal performance on that is one of the best things he has ever done. And then you have that song that became the monster hit that is the only reason anybody ever bought a copy of Queen's Hot Space album, Under Pressure. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of the best vocal day, performances of all time, Bo- right. both of them. Exactly right. Oh, yeah. my gosh. There's so for an off year for Bowie, I mean, he had one massive monster hit and then a soundtrack that nobody bought, but is so incredibly good. 
So he did have a year, you know? He did. He <laughs> always had something going on. Yeah. I was thinking about that, too, because I was like, oh, I think Let's Dance came out. And I was thinking of Sirius Moonlight Tour. And I was like, nope, that was 83. Thinking about all the MTV, kind of the weird, like the split ends and the, and the scary monster videos, all that kind of stuff was like er, really early MTV and mm-hmm. and was a little kind of primitive almost, you know, if you think about the kind of weird special effects of you know, in scary monsters or, um, yeah. I mean, ashes to ashes or whatever, ashes. you know, mm-hmm. and, and even like dirty creature by split ends. And then it, and then things really up the game. The game was upped, I should say in, in 82 after Duran Duran came out, that was just like your production value went, whoosh, you know, had to go up. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Um, so here are some of the, I just want to read off a little bit of the like significant music events that happened in 82. So in January, Ozzy bites the head off of a bat <laughs> because someone throws, I don't know how someone had one to throw onto the stage, but he thought it was a rubber, like a toy bat and he bit the head off and it was not. Yeah. Um, a little bit later, his guitar player, Randy Rhodes was killed in a plane crash. Uh, there was a lot of stuff going on with the clash. Joe Strummer went missing for three weeks. Um, so they had to postpone a tour. They fired their drummer, Topper Hedden, uh, for his his complete overuse of drugs. Like he was just complete waste. And then Strummer and his girlfriend turn up. They're just like living in Paris and running marathons. And they're like, <laughs> what? You know, like nothing's really happening or whatever. Uh, the very first Us Festival, which I say very first, but there was only ever two of them. So the Us Festival was in September, and that was headlined by Fleetwood Mac, Tom Petty, The Police. And it also had Talking Heads, B-52s, Pat Benatar, Kinks, The Cars, a bunch of other people. Cats makes its debut on Broadway and plays pretty much straight for the next 18 years. Wow. Madonna's first single comes out, Everybody, and ABBA's last single, Under Attack, both come out uh, toward the end of the year. So it's it's quite a it's quite a yeah. significant year. Oh, oh and uh, even though the album came out a couple of years earlier, The Wall, the film, yep. came out. Yeah, Pink Floyd came out that year. So yeah. it's, it's a it's a great yeah. year for music. I also remember too that that was the year of like the the really frightening trends towards like aerobics pop because we had let's get physical <laughs> aerobics aerobics pop. pop and then uh later you had like Laura Branigan um I think phys- had, physical actually came out the previous year but it, it was the still, singles it was, were still like generating but Branigan did come out on the, yeah, yeah it was huge on the charts in eighty two um and I wasn't that was I hate them so much, so I don't know. But was there a Grease film in '82? Uh, yeah, Grease I think Grease Two. Yeah, Grease Two came out because she played Stephanie. Michelle Pfeiffer played Stephanie. I think yeah, that was her name. I remembered running in terror from that. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, but then, and on the flip side, there was some really good, like if um, Ghost in the Machine came out in late '81, so that was really '82 yeah. yeah. was the year for it. You know, yeah, they were touring true. with the Go Go's and stuff, and. Right. Um, so stuff like that, like that came out at the end of 81 was really ripping into 82. Mm-hmm. I think Journey had that too, because they had a couple singles that, um, and that's the Probably. only time I will discuss Journey ever. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> 
So that was 1982. Yeah. There's there's still a lot that we didn't get to. I didn't really jump oh, into any of so the much. any of the metal or hard rock stuff that I was really into in 82. But we might have to save that for a part two. Yeah, like a metal show or something. Metal show. Yeah. I'm all about a metal show. Yeah. Um, so I guess we will cut it there and we will revisit 1982 at another point. And uh, we've got a couple of other anniversary years that we want to get to. We want to do 1972 at some point because, man, was there some great stuff that came out in 72 and 92 as well. So we're going to we're going to hit all that stuff. Rob, tell us where we can find you on the Internet. Were we to be seeking you out, which I'm sure hundreds of thousands of people are. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to be one of my nine listeners, uh, you can <laughs> tune into uh, Juxtaposition every week on KDHX in St. Louis. Um, it streams at www.kdhx.org. And if you're busy on Wednesday nights, um, cause that's when, you know, TV shows put out new streaming stuff. You can listen <laughs> to it later on archive streams, right? Um, uh, for two weeks, every show is archived for two weeks. So you can do that. And also, uh, some stuff for weekend justice for newcoffee.com with that podcast. And, uh, yeah. And we would be remiss if we did not say that Stephanie is a solo artist. She has a new single out called There Was a Time, which is phenomenal. And every time I listen to it, it gets stuck in my head for at least two weeks. Thank you. And it keeps getting picked up by more and more radio stations, which is exciting. I got more Um, this week, too. Yay! (laughs) So where can people track you down on the Internet? Well, you. uh, so if you're on Facebook, you could just find me at Stephanie Seymour Music. That's that's like my page on Facebook, and then I um I have a website which is therearebirds.com. and you can find my There Are Birds album on there. But also a page on the the website is devoted to my new single There Was a Time, and you can just find me on Bandcamp also. Stephanie Seymour, yes, and on Spotify, and on Spotify and all the streaming platforms. Exactly. <laughs> And I have another podcast called Earth Station Trek. It's a show, shockingly, all about Star Trek. And we're currently reviewing each new episode of the current series, Strange New Worlds. I also have a small publishing company called Cosmic Press. And you can find that at Cosmic Press. That's K-O-Z-M-I-C Press dot com or Facebook or Twitter or Insta, even though I don't ever post anything on Insta. (laughs) So anyway, so we will be back next week. We have not picked a topic for next week yet, but uh, the three of us with Stephanie, we will be here again next week. And um, it's going to be a great show, whatever it is. I don't know. So surprise. Exactly. So you'll have to come and find out. All right. So everybody take care. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. We will see you soon. Leave us a little feedback. Let us know what your favorite albums from 1982 are and what you most enjoyed listening to at the time and what's still in your rotation even now, that many years later. Till then, we'll see you, and hope everyone has a great week. Take care, and we are out of here. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.